Do your kids' constant interruptions cause your left eye to involuntarily twitch? Would you like to enjoy having an adult conversation for once without someone yanking on your arm and yelling, hey mom, hey mom? Would you like to teach your kids to be respectful and not interrupt, but do that in a way that also shows respect for them? Then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. If you feel led to partner with us, please just go to gingerhubbard.com support to donate any amount. And thank you for your support. It enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. If someone asked me, Katie, what is the key to homeschooling with confidence? I would tell them three things. Number one, God's word can't and won't homeschool without it. Number two, coffee, lots of it. And number three, encouragement from fellow homeschooling families. My husband and I have attended homeschooling conferences since our first year of homeschooling, and I am convinced that I wouldn't have the confidence I have today without the wisdom and encouragement I receive year after year. Friends, if you're a homeschooling parent or if you're considering it at all, I highly encourage you to load up the family and join us at the Teach Them Diligently Convention in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and that's May 5th through 7th, 2022. Ginger and I will both be speaking, and when we're not, we'll be hanging out in the booth selling Ginger's resources and encouraging parents to reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. For more information about Teach Them Diligently, go to teachthemdiligently.net. Again, that's May 5th through 7th in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and use the code GINGER to get $20 off your ticket order at teachthemdiligently.net. Well, hello to our listeners. Before we jump right into today's topic, I did want to invite you guys to join me along with some of my favorite speakers at the Ignite Women's Conference in St. Louis, Missouri on March 25th through 27th, 2022. And the good news is that if you guys register now at ignitewomen.org, you can get $30 off if you use the code GH. The $30 discount is only good through February 18th, which is just a few days away, so I do encourage you to go ahead and register today. I would absolutely love to meet you there. Again, that's ignitewomen.org, and use the code GH30 at checkout to get $30 off your ticket price. All right, Ginger, we're going to dive right in and talk about one of those behaviors that really gets me, but... Not just me, I'm sure. This is one of those behaviors that can be so frustrating for parents, but it's really hard to know how to handle it. Katie, it's so interesting how we all have our pet peeves with our kids, those things that just really get under our skin and push our buttons. When my kids were growing up, it just so happens that that thing for me was interrupting. And maybe it's because I homeschooled. I don't know. you know. But I was with my kids 24-7, and I loved that, and I wouldn't trade those years for anything. But because I was with my kids all day, when I finally had a chance to have an adult conversation, nothing got on my nerves more than when my kids would constantly interrupt. I also find that it's disrespectful of the person to whom I'm speaking when my kids decide they need something right now. So since we're all about reaching the hearts of our children, what would you say is at the heart of interrupting? 
I think selfishness and pride should be considered. Because of that old sin nature, our kids are just like us. They have a natural tendency to place a higher priority on themselves than others, even when it comes to communicating. They view whatever it is that they want to say as being more important than respecting what someone else is saying. For whatever reason, kids often feel this sudden sense of urgency when something pops into their minds, especially when mom is busy talking. But I will say, in the defense of kids, it can be exasperating, especially when two mommies are talking, because that can seem like an eternity before there's a pause in that conversation. So their sense of urgency leads to impatience, which leads to interrupting, which leads to, as you mentioned, Katie, mom's eye twitching. Basically, kids interrupting from a sin perspective typically boils down to selfishly placing their wants and needs above the wants and needs of others. Like I said, interrupting was one of those things that really got under my skin. But if I was motivated by sinful anger, I would sin against God and sin against my child when I administered a reproof. My motive should not be revenge because I'm irritated or inconvenienced. Mm. My motive should be to drive out the rudeness and the inconsiderate disrespect from the heart of my child. If my motive is sinful, then I'm going to say something like, I can't believe you are being so inconsiderate. I'm trying to talk to her and you are acting so ugly. But if my motive is righteous rather than selfish, it's going to sound more like, honey, do you think it's kind or rude for you to interrupt when I'm talking to someone? Are you thinking about others or yourself when you interrupt? Honey, what could you have done rather than interrupting? I like that third question. We talk a lot on the show about the importance of not just rebuking kids for what they shouldn't do, but always following up with what they should do. That's right. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that when we're tempted, God is faithful. He always provides us with a way out. He always gives us a means of escape. And we want to do that same thing for our children. Okay, so Ginger, for the love, what can we teach them to do (laughs) instead of interrupting? (laughs) With my children, I implemented a handy tool that I wish I could say was my idea because it's completely brilliant, but it wasn't. I read about it in some other parenting book or article somewhere, and unfortunately, I don't remember where. But the idea is that rather than rudely interrupting, my kids were required to place their hand on me and to wait for me to give them permission to speak. My kids knew that when they placed their hand on my arm, they were letting me know in a way that showed respect for me and the other person that they wanted to say something. They knew that that hand on my arm was basically communicating, Mom, I need to say something, but I don't want to be rude. And as soon as it was convenient, just as soon as there was a pause in that conversation, I would give them permission to talk. Now, I do want to be clear, this is not a biblical mandate that you do this with your children. It's simply a tool. It's a way to provide them with that means of escape. It's a way to prevent exasperation. Constant interruptions while trying to have a conversation can be extremely irritating making the temptation to speak harshly very real. And as we work to reach the hearts of our kids, I think a great verse for us to keep in mind is Galatians 6, 1, which says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Right. So we want to avoid lashing out with attacks. We want to be gentle in our reproof, and we want to speak the truths of God's Word with love. We could use wisdom for from uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and say something like, Sweetheart, 
The Bible explains that love is patient and kind. Love is not rude. We could also talk to them about Philippians 2, 3 and say God instructs us to not do things that are selfish. Instead, we are to consider the needs or feelings of others as being more important than our own. So when I'm talking to someone, honey, you need to be considerate and place your hand on my arm and wait for me to give you permission to speak. You know, Ginger, that sounds just a little bit different than what I've caught myself doing this week, which is, excuse me, I'm in the middle of a sentence. Doesn't that just sound a little bit different from what you just said? <laughs> practice, Katie. It takes practice. I know. Practice. Very convicting. Look in the mirror and practice. This gentleness. is a very convicting episode for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ginger, you've basically covered um, two of the three steps you give in the chapter on interrupting, uh, and that's from your book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That. Just to reiterate, step one is to ask heart-probing questions, such as, do you think it is kind or rude for you to interrupt when I'm talking to someone? Are you thinking about others or yourself when you interrupt? And see how calmly I said that just now? That's, I'm mm-hmm. going to be very good. A plus. That. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Step two is to talk with them about what to put off, which is rudeness, selfishness, and inconsiderate disrespect. And we'll be sure to include uh, the verses that we mentioned in our show notes. Ginger, I love this quote from your book. I can't believe you just said that. Biblical wisdom for taming your child's tongue. You wrote this. The more your children practice being sensitive to other people talking, the more quickly they will learn to respond with respect, patience, and kindness. Listeners, I highly recommend that you get a copy of Ginger's book. I can't believe you just said that because it offers heart-probing questions and verses for what to put off and what to put on, not just for interrupting, but for many other struggles that we have with our kids. Each chapter addresses a different verbal offense, such as lying, whining, tattling, arguing, defying, so many other things. Ginger also offers a lot of examples of parent-child dialogue so you can see how these conversations can take place in a really natural way with your kids. Okay, so that leads us to step three. What should they put on? Kindness and consideration for others, while at the same time, we want to be careful, though, to not exasperate them. So that's where the hand on the arm comes in. We want to show our kids the same respect we're asking them to show us. We also don't want them to feel as though their thoughts are unimportant, which is how they more than likely feel when we just dismissively wave them off when we're busy talking. In order for us to help our kids understand that, yes, what you have to say is important to me, but no, it's not okay to be rude, we might say something like, sweetheart, I always want to hear what you have to say, but you need to learn to be respectful and considerate rather than rudely interrupting. Then it just explain the new plan, or if they already know about the plan and they've just forgotten about the plan, uh, which is to be expected until they get the hang of it, just be willing to practice it until they understand how it works. Also, when my kids did get it right and placed their hand on my arm, I would always place my hand on top of theirs, which they knew that was me saying, I know you need to say something and I will get to you just as soon as I can. Mm. I encourage parents to not make them wait too long also. Find that first natural pause in the conversation and then allow them to speak. Be attentive as soon as you can so that they aren't discouraged and be sensitive to the fact that younger children have shorter memories and attention spans. Okay, Ginger, what about the parents who just teach their kids to say, excuse me, excuse me, mom, excuse me, when they have something to say. It's like the <laughs> the more sophisticated, rude version of interrupting. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually had a friend once whose child constantly interrupted with that, excuse me. And Katie, I personally found it just as rude and irritating. Yeah. 
it was so hard to have a conversation because we would be in the middle of a sentence and excuse me was all the child had to say to get mom to unapologetically cut off our conversation and give full attention to her child. It was it was as if the entire universe was supposed to realign and revolve around her child simply because he spoke the words, excuse me. Mm. Interrupting is interrupting. Being rude is being rude, regardless of the preface. I don't view excuse me as a trump card that makes interrupting acceptable. Although now that I think about it, I have been guilty of that myself. (laughs) Now, having said that, just like with a lot of things, of course, there are exceptions. I'd say excuse me is acceptable for, excuse me, the kid down the street just set our cat on fire. (laughs) But in my opinion, excuse me, I'd like everyone to immediately stop talking and pay attention to me because I'm the center of the universe. That's not acceptable. Mm. Okay, so it's probably a good idea to define the word emergency for our children. Admittedly, I've not done a great job of this. One of my kids who was prone to interrupting had very carefully placed their precious little hand on my arm while I was in a conversation, and I put my hand on top of their hand to acknowledge their presence, but you're not going to believe this. I am a bit of a talker. No. I know, right? And finally, this child gave up and said, I have to go potty. <laughs> so I did, I did let that child know that needing to go potty is a very good reason to interrupt mm-hmm. mommy who's in the middle of a very engrossing conversation. Does your child struggle with whining or lying and you aren't sure how to get to the heart of those issues and address them from a biblical perspective? Then I'm excited to tell you about a new children's book series I've co-authored with my friend Al Rowland called Teaching Children to Use Their Words Wisely. In the first book, Sam and the Sticky Situation, children learn that there are better ways to communicate than whining. And in the second book, Chloe and the Closet of Secrets, they learn why telling the truth is always best. Both books have a parent page to help children understand why whining and lying are wrong and how they can always turn to Jesus for help. So I hope you'll check out the Teaching Children to Use Their Words Wisely series. I think you and your children will be encouraged. Okay, let's change gears and talk about when siblings interrupt each other or their friends. While many learn to respect adults by not interrupting, sometimes they don't recognize the need or carry it over in their relationships with their siblings and peers with that same courtesy. Yep, and with siblings, it can be even more of a temptation and problem when one is quieter or less assertive than the other. When that's the case, the more outgoing sibling will more than likely struggle more with interrupting than the quieter one, because that just makes sense with their personalities. When we see that happening, we might say something like, sweetheart, your sister was talking. Do you think it is kind or selfish for you to interrupt? Honey, you need to be respectful by listening and waiting until she finishes before you speak. Between Ronnie and me, we're a blended family. We have four adult kids. They're all in their 20s now, as most of our listeners know. But I remember interrupting being a really big problem when they were teenagers, especially when we were all gathered around the table. That just seems to be when it was heightened. Uh, Two of our kids were heavily involved in theater. Now, if you know theater kids, you know they tend to be talkative, animated, and assertive, and their voices tend to be several decibels louder than anyone else's, (laughs) meaning they have a tendency to dominate conversations. Mm. So our youngest is the quietest, and he speaks softer than any of the others. So we had to mediate the conversations when we were all around the table by waiting for the talkative two to finally take a breath so that we could get the quieter one to talk. But the two more assertive ones also had this really bad habit of interrupting before the youngest was finished. So when he finally did get to talk, as soon as he started talking, they would start interrupting. So we would just say something like, honey, 
Jackson was talking. You need to wait until he's finished. And then we would turn back to Jackson and say, sweetie, you were telling us about the bike race? When some are talkative and assertive and some aren't, it's important that we teach the more talkative children to divide and respect airtime with their siblings and even with their friends. And be prepared that it may take a lot of practice and intervention from the parents, but be patient because the more they practice being sensitive to other people talking, the more quickly they will learn to respond with respect and patience and kindness. Well, the one thing Ginger and I always like to bring these episodes back around to is our need for Jesus, as well as the Mm -hmm. example that we are setting in front of our kids, because we all know that one of the biggest ways kids learn is by watching and observing us. (laughs) Mm, That's right. So the question of the day is, are they witnessing us monopolizing conversations? I feel attacked right now, Ginger. I feel very... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not my goal, but I can't speak for the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Yeah, probably some truth to that. (laughs) But here's the thing. There are some adults who hog airtime, and I'm not going to name any names, um, and they, a lot of times they might try to excuse their behavior with something like, well, I'm just not a good listener, or I'm a little ADD, so I have a hard time focusing when other people are talking, or oh, I'm just trying to keep the conversation going. But parents who monopolize conversations are exemplifying the sin of pride. It's a sort of pride that says, I believe that what I have to say is more important than what you have to say or is more worthy of being heard. It's a sort of pride that says, I'm always right. I have all the answers and I don't have time to listen to your insignificant thoughts. We should also ask ourselves if our children witness us finishing sentences for our spouses or others or cutting them off before they're done or getting frustrated or impatient while waiting for them to finish a thought. Because these poor communication habits also exemplify pride. This pride says, I'm smarter than you, and I pick up on things faster than you. Therefore, I shouldn't have to wait for you to sort through this in your slow-thinking mind. (laughs) We also want to keep in mind that it's just as important that we aren't monopolizing conversations with our children or finishing their sentences or cutting them off or showing frustration or impatience while they're talking. We want to be considerate when our kids are talking, just as we expect them to be considerate when we're talking. Mm. Wow, that's really good. (laughs) Well, I think it's also important that moms avoid exasperating their kids by being on the phone all the time or placing Mm -hmm. calls and texts as their highest priority. And I'd like to read another quote from your book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, that I found super encouraging. You wrote this. If you and your child are having a conversation over lunch and the phone rings or a text comes in, wait until you have finished talking with your child before checking your phone and responding. This not only serves as a strong example of respecting others, but also sends a powerful message that what your child has to say is important to you. And I know it's tempting, especially for stay-at-home moms who are in need of adult conversation to chat on the phone and text, or as Katie and I do, we box a lot. (laughs) Believe me, I get it, but we do need to be sensitive about how our children might be perceiving that. Okay, Ginger, I have a funny story about Voxer. I have this Mm -hmm. habit of leaving the app open while you and I are having an ongoing dialogue, 
And on more than one occasion, my husband has walked into the room and started talking to me and you've interrupted him. <laughs> How hilarious. rude of me. I mean, I think it's hilarious. It usually scares him to death because it sounds like you're in the room with us. It's quite loud. And so it, it terrifies That's him. actually funny, Katie, because the same thing has happened with Ronnie and me. When we're in the car, Ronnie says, between you, Katie, and Siri, I can't get in a word edgewise. <laughs> so we got to close those apps when we're with our husband husbands. and kid. I know, so we don't keep interrupting everybody. Anyway, I want to encourage you sweet mamas that when you're spending time with your kids and a call comes in, consider letting those callers leave a message and getting back to them at a more convenient time. Like maybe when your child is napping or watching a show or playing a game. And I know sometimes we feel like, well, I need to answer this call. It really could be something important. And so if you feel that you really need to answer that call, it can also speak volumes to your child if they hear you say, okay, well, Stephanie, let me call you back in a little while. Maddie and I are having lunch together and talking. Being considerate of your child like that is such a blessing to them because it lets them know that they're loved and respected and important to you. That phone is such a distraction and temptation mm. yep. that it might just be a great idea to have a parking spot in your home for it. Or I, I miss the days when phones were plugged into the wall. I really mm. do. I mean, yep. in some ways it's great. It's super convenient, but it also has become a massive invasion in our homes. Uh, but, you know, maybe even places in your home where you refuse to have your phone, like on the dining room table during a meal. Yes, that's a good idea. I don't like phones at the table either because it takes away from conversations. Mm -hmm. It takes away from us really talking and, and spending time with our family members. And if someone's talking to me around the table, it's just as rude for me to allow a call or text to interrupt or, or Voxer, <laughs> unless, of course, we're all in need of some good entertainment, then I play Katie's messages for everyone <laughs> while we're at the table. <laughs> Here's the thing. Our kids need our attention. Like we talked about at the beginning of the show, when kids are constantly interrupting, it can be frustrating, and it's so tempting for us just to want to tune them out. But it's important to be mindful that our children, they, like I said, they do need our attention to a healthy extent. In fact, children who are often ignored actually tend to be more demanding and more prone to interrupting. Mm -hmm. It's certainly appropriate and biblical for our kids to learn to put the needs of others above their own, but it's also important that we model that same teaching by acknowledging and serving their needs. Ginger, there is a fascinating study that was done by Dr. Edward Tronic, I think is how you say his name, of UMass Boston's Infant Parent Mental Health Program. It's called the Still Face Experiment, and there's a great video that demonstrates it. So we'll have Heather put a link to that in the show notes, but I'll give you the gist of the study. So on the video, there's a mom sitting down and her one-year-old baby is in a high chair about eye level across from her. I mean, they're very, very close, about a foot apart. They're engaging and laughing together. The baby points at something and mom turns and looks at what she's pointing at and responds. And you can hear just all those precious baby sounds and the mom does what comes so naturally to us moms and she mimics her baby's behavior. Well, after a few moments, the mom turns her head away and this was part of the study. So she turns her head away from the baby for just a few moments and when she turns back around, her face is blank. She just goes to this very expressionless face. It's pretty creepy actually. And even though this study was conducted in the 70s, her face actually reminded me of what most of us look like when we're staring at our phones. Mm -hmm. Well, yep. it doesn't take but a few seconds for the baby to realize that something is off. So first she smiles at her mom, no reaction. Then she points at something like she had done just a few moments ago, no reaction. She then babbles and actually reaches both arms out for her mom, 
no reaction. Honestly, I was cringing the entire time I watched this because it just broke my heart. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I would never want to do this with my baby, but I've done it to my baby. I know I have. Finally, the baby resorts to whining and then screeching and by the end, sobbing, at which point the mother mercifully re-engages with her child and soothes her within just a few moments. I mean, she was immediately soothed by her mom. Mm -hmm. The crying ceased. It wasn't a tantrum just for the sake of tantruming. This was a distressed baby who could not get her mother's attention. I have chills. It it was so hard to watch. I bet. And I know that's not a direct parallel to what we're talking about in this episode, but it does make me wonder how many of us have created this fussiness and insecurity in our children due to our lack of engagement at other times during the day. If they see our expressionless face because we're frequently engaged elsewhere, what behaviors might that cause in our children? I'm sorry to be such a downer. Um, I, I always call my mom. <laughs> that was a very depressing story. I know, but I could... There's a lot to learn from that, though. Well, I mean, that's a powerful illustration. Well, I mean, it was, I, that was absolutely fascinating. But Ginger, I do call my mom the human pin because I said she always burst my bubble. <laughs> so that's, I'm, I'm becoming my mother. <laughs> but that study was so convicting to me. Mm, you know, it's actually really convicting for me too, but uh, in a different way. Anyone who knows me knows that I am not a multitasker. Uh, when I was a kid, I hated that whole pat your head and rub your tummy at the same time thing. <laughs> I, I just couldn't do it. I was a cheerleader for one year, and that was a total disaster. <laughs> same with being in the school band. I was first chair clarinet for years, and I loved it. But then the school decided that we needed a marching band. You don't even want to know what happened at halftime <laughs> at that homecoming game. It was awful. So humiliating. Ronnie teases me all the time about trying to cook while people are in the kitchen talking to me. Obviously, he didn't pay attention to our episode last week on teasing. (laughs) But I have to admit, a lot of good meals have been sacrificed on the altar of communication. Mm. I'm I'm not kidding. I mean, I would burn water if I'm talking. (laughs) One thing about people who can't multitask is that they have to be good at prioritizing. And unfortunately, I'm not very good at that either, especially when I'm focused on something like writing. So, Katie, as you were sharing, that, I was actually thinking about all the times I'm busy working and writing and I don't give my full attention to Ronnie or one of my kids who want to talk. That's a real struggle for me. My people in my heart are more important than my accomplishments, but you know, I don't always show that. Mm. So bringing it back around, because children need time with their parents, I want to encourage you mamas to set aside time each day to really take interest and listen to your kids, even if their topics of conversation seem silly. We have to keep in mind that because of their age and their level of maturity, what we may deem as unimportant uh, can be very important to our kids. So it's helpful to engage in conversational topics of their choice. Remember, they're still growing in maturity and developing those communication skills. So we have to be super patient. I've mentioned this before in another episode, but some of the most precious conversations I had with my children um, when they were younger and even when they were older were at bedtime. I made it a habit to lie in bed with them individually at night just to listen to whatever they wanted to talk about. And I avoided bedtime being a time to correct and rebuke. Instead, we treasured our nights of sometimes uh, just lighthearted laughter and then other times really deep conversations. I don't know if you have several children, uh, some of you, as I said before, raising a whole tribe, uh, you might consider having designated nights for each one. And during those moments, just listen intently and show interest in their thoughts and their opinions. 
I love that. And I love that you say that that's not the moment for rebuke. Correction. Correction. Yeah. Because we're doing that all day, right? Exactly. So let's let's cut cut them some slack. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess one way to do that is asking open-ended questions that require more than a one-word answer like yes or no. So we're all about asking good questions over here on the Parenting with Ginger Hubbard podcast. (laughs) That's right. We, We are. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. And today's quick tip is courtesy of Christy in Georgia. I love Georgia. She I know, says, I love how you always say that. I, I, I always say Georgia with a little extra flair, and I say Alabama. <laughs> Sorry, Ginger. It's, I do not sound that Southern. Okay. I mean, I don't say Alabama. Okay. I say Alabama. <laughs> Big you're difference. not Southern at all. No. No. We'll have our listeners write in and um, weigh in on whether or not you're <laughs> Southern. <laughs> You can't hide Southern. No, you can't. Uh, I I know I'm just as Southern as you are, Ginger. Okay, well, here's what Christy says. Fill an empty spray bottle with dish soap and add water. Shake to mix, and now you have a quick way to wash dishes by simply spraying dirty dishes with the mixture and a quick scrub. This is a water and time saver. That is a great tip. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. And I used a soapy water solution for our tomato plants one year because they were being eaten up by something, but I didn't think to use it in the kitchen. That's genius. And I think I'm also going to do that for our travel trailer since we try not to fill up our tanks too quickly. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. Really good. Thank you for that, Christy. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubber.com slash quick tips to submit those. All right. I hope you guys have been encouraged. Let me just leave you with one final word of encouragement. I know that listening and having conversations with young children can be so exhausting at times, but when we set aside time just for them, they really do feel loved and valued and important. Also, when we meet the needs of our children by spending quality time alone with them, just listening to whatever it is they want to talk about, their hearts are typically going to be more attentive and receptive to our teaching, which means no more interrupting. I was so tempted to interrupt you during that part and start the closing. <laughs> you were. That's so you. Well, thank you, Ginger. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This just helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? We invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubber.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubber.com. Ginger also offers a free discussion guide for this book on her website, which is great for book clubs and small group studies. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a corner. Ginger and I would love to lead a women's event at your church. We offer a one or a two-day conference. If your church might be interested in hosting our women's conference or bringing in Ginger for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubber.com and we will get back to you with more information. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.